This is the Newsprint Commando. I am your host, Ed Moore, and our book is Badger Volume 1, Issue 2 from Capital Comics, cover dated December 1983. Now, there's three stories in this one. Ham's New Broom, which is a 19-page story, is the first one. Now, some or all of these stories can be found reprinted in the Complete Badger Trade Paperback, dated 2007 from IDW Publishing. Whoever edited the Badger's Wikipedia also indicates that First Comics reprinted the first four issues of the Badger. They took up publishing with issue five, but I can't find any definitive listings anywhere of those issues, so... At the very least, the complete Badger trade paperback from IDW, um, you can definitely find them there. The first six issues are in that trade paperback, and uh, I see it online, so I know it's available. So back to Ham's new broom. We start out the first, let's see, let's take a look at the cover first. Badger is standing in front of a wall that has gargoyles on the corners, and the gate has a big H on it, I presume standing for Ham, because in the background up the hill, this looks like a picture of the castle that Ham buys in this first story. There's a for sale sign that's been broken off. Looks like Badger is facing down a couple people, but we only see their shadows as they are off-panel with the light behind them casting shadows towards Badger, who we do see. In the clouds and the moon on the sky behind him, we see the face of Ham kind of uh, hazily laid out for us there. Inside front cover is editorial. Again, Mr. Bruning just filling us in on some background things. Being three stories in this book, there are a handful of creatives, and, and he talks a little bit about those. Tells us about the Small Press Writer and Artists Organization Award that he won, Mr. Bruning. And drops a little whisper about whisper. Also, he tells us that a book that he's reading that you might be interested in is Wolverine McAllister, um, the character in a book entitled Journey, coming out from Aardvark Vanaheim. Bill Lopes is writing and drawing that, he says, so that would be something to check out. That might be a, a worthy target of the newsprint commando here coming up after we uh, move through some other things. The first color page shows Ham sitting on a, I guess, a throne with some interesting gestures here being thrown up and lightning bolts casting from his eyes through his hands or emanating from his hands and going both up and down the page. It's, it's hard to tell which one it's supposed to be. And various headshots uh, here. One is Miss Fields. One is a dude that he runs into in the second story, a couple creatures that I don't recognize, and then Yak and Yeti, which are the two individuals that once Ham showed up in the first issue, decided that they were going to go after Ham. The actual story opens with uh, Daisy Fields and Ham talking to a realtor here standing outside a 14th century Welsh stronghold built by Elwood Garsh, who apparently was a lumber baron, and that's how he had the money to build this. Ham likes it, tells Miss Fields to uh, take care of it, 
she offers $450,000 for the $700,000 property. And when she indicates that will be cash, the realtor finally accepts. So Fields and the realtor make uh, preparations to sign the papers later in the day. Ham goes on up to check out the, the castle. Miss Fields walks in, can't find him goes up to one of the upper turrets and sees that he is just beside himself watching the fury of a uh, tornado as it rumbles towards the castle. He exclaims, Ham exclaims, to see, to know, to command as the moon commands the tide. Now I know how the feeble-minded Gawain did feel when at last he beheld the grail. Come, Miss Fields, there is work to be done. A great scheme has been revealed to me. And I, I think what happens is Ham casts a spell to protect his castle and Miss Fields and himself as this tornado rages around them, by them, whatever. In, uh, in the town of Madison here, we see a thug assailing an older woman walking home with her groceries. And as he's running down the street, he runs past the corner of a building where Badger is standing and with an elbow and a knee and a kick to the jaw, he knocks the guy out. Badger does. The old woman thanks him. A crowd gathers and is responding positively to the Badgers helping this old woman. But a couple police officers who are here who saw this come up to arrest him and the old lady tries to stop them and the police say no. And then the crowd gathers takes up arms and is going to stop them. But again, Badger takes a moment and says, Friends, Americans, fellow citizens of Wisconsin, lend me your ears. And then he begins to tell them that violence is bad and all of these things. And the final uh, back and forth here is uh, someone in the crowd yells out, Yeah, how come it's okay for you? And he responds, I'm the Badger. And as he's going away, the dude said, He's crazy. And one of his compatriots says, Totally off the cam. So we go to the police station, and the chief lets Badger go, basically giving him a slap on the wrist and telling him he doesn't want this to happen again, and if it does, he will arrest him for sure that time. At the castle, we see Miss Fields, who's beside herself at being able to study two abnormal personalities, as she says, a 5th century druid with paranormal powers, and a tormented war veteran with a pathological hatred of common street felons. And then there's her. So first she goes down to talk to Norbert, who is doing what looks to me to be katas here in a workout room. And then we move to one of the ramparts of the castle. And actually we start cutting between that scene and the scene of an airport of uh, Chicago's O'Hare Airport, which I've been there. Used to live in Chicago. Flew out of O'Hare a couple times. I never met Yeti and Mr. Yak, but I've flown out of the airport. So... Ham is on this uh, parapet, balustrade, whatever part of the castle. It's the tallest part of the castle, it looks like. Looking out over the land and getting ready to cast some sort of spell, I think. We see here accompanying him is a goat. He has a caged chicken, a fish in a fishbowl, and a snake wrapped around his arm. So to start things out with, he swallows the fish, and we see a little cloud appear over the castle. Cut to the airport where Mr. Yak and Yeti are getting tickets to fly from Chicago's O'Hare Airport into Madison, Wisconsin. Cut back to Ham, who bites a snake in half, creating a much larger thunder cloud behind him. Back to the airport where Yak and Yeti are told that the plane is delayed because of 
weirdly developing weather in Wisconsin, southern Wisconsin, northern, uh, I guess it would be northern Illinois, northern Indiana. Not sure which one. But southern Wisconsin, more importantly. Back to Ham, where he throttles the chicken, and we see that he has decapitated it and has thrown the head off of the castle. Back to the airport, Yeti and Yak get on a bus because planes are grounded. Back to Ham, where he cuts the throat of the goat and bleeds it there on the rampart. No, no, sorry. Decapitates it there on the rampart. Now, we have a full-blown tornado uh, off in the distance here, complete with flying cars that it apparently has picked up. Ham is exclaiming, Hell's a poppin' their sorcery, and I know just what to do with it. A new broom, ye practicants and rare mice. I, ye faceless merchants and makers of trash, gaze upon Ham's new broom. I don't get it. Unless he's going to ride the broom, or the broom is being used to sweep things clean. Yeah, I, I don't get You guys out there that are smarter than me, read this and let me know what he's doing. Cut back to, or not back to, but now cut to Badger, who has moved off somewhere off the grounds of the house completely because Miss Fields was bugging him, just watching him. And he's doing his katas out in a child's playground, this time being watched by a dude in an orange tracksuit with curly hair. And the guy says, uh, Northern Crane style, right? Right, Badger says. Nice. Do you know monkey style? Yes. And we have uh, uh, several panels of him rolling, uh, doing a monkey style maneuver. Lovely. Do you know Ho Chin Chodan? Yes. Palgui, yes. The Latin Boogaloo, yes. Jabberwocky, no. Aha, that's because I invented it. I'm Riley Thorpe, the Badger. Yeah, I heard of you. You're some kind of bad cat. You always work out in a storm? Not always. I was driven from my home by a rampant social worker. I was jogging. I could use a brew. How about you? I could use two. So they go off to get drinks together. Sally now is Sally. I keep wanting to call her Sally Fields. That's goofy. Daisy Fields is talking to Ham, who uh, now we see in his office has a nice pentagram on the floor with a big blood spot on it and a blood stain on a book over here that's open with a page marker. He tells Miss Fields that he wants subscriptions to these magazines, and he holds up Fortune, Wall Street Journal, and Forbes. I want a small business computer with word processor. I want a reliable broker. Look under W. You can trust a man whose name begins with a W. She says, like James Watt? I don't know. Maybe it's a 1983 reference. I don't get it. I want a ticker tape and a sauna. Alas, poor Yorick. Modern theater. Pah, he says as he's holding a skull after having said, I want a ticker tape and a sauna. And I guess the stab at humor there, which also I'll put in the column of, I don't get it. And perhaps a walk-in freezer. I'm not sure he finishes. Taxi pulls up outside the castle here, and that is the taxi transporting the Yak and Yeti, who knock on the door and, upon entrance, rush in grabbing Miss Fields and confront Ham with a uh, his full name, which is much too long for me to pronounce, and I'd hate to say it out loud. Who knows what I would conjure anyways. The Self-Righteous Society to Obliterate Sorcery. Ham indicates. For 1,500 years we have awaited your reawakening. For 1,500 years hardly a sorcerous ripple has disturbed this tenuous fabric. That's Mr. Yak uh, posturing there, I believe. So, uh, let's see. Yak rushes Ham, who with a backhand knocks him asunder. Yeti runs up 
to attack Ham, but Daisy jumps on Yeti's back, throws her off, and uh, he is finding that he can't really do anything to Ham because of that protective spell uh, that he has around him. He's trying to pick him up, I think, to throw him, but it, it's not working. Outside, we have um, Norbert and Riley Thorpe uh, coming up to, I guess, visit is what he's doing. He's, he's escorting Riley, and he's going to show him around his digs. And inside, the uh, main room is all torn up with Yeti trying to throttle Ham, Mr. Yak here in the background, and Miss Fields also. So Ham tells Norbert, now Badger, uh, that he is to protect him because that's his job. And so he jumps up and breaks the hold Yeti has on Ham and gives him a a back-fisted broken nose, enraging Yeti who flies at Norbert while Ham and Yak wait in the background and Fields and Riley uh, cower in fear on the in the foreground and we have the to be continued for this story. So interesting interesting turn of events uh, some some things happening here in the second issue. So that was um, as I said Ham's new broom that was scripted by Mike Barron with breakdown pencils by Rick Burchett, inks by or Burkett, inks by Jeff Butler, painted colorings by Les Dorscheid, and letters by Mike uh, Mary Bulliam. Excuse me. Now the next story is a groaner, and it's a four-pager scripted by Mike Barron, breakdowns by Rick Burchett, inks by Jeff Butler, and painted colorings by Les Dorscheid. Here, Sally, uh, Sally. Wow. Daisy is watching uh, from the far background of the panel as Norbert is sitting here communing with many animals. We have a raccoon, a badger, a rabbit, a turtle, a bluebird, and a bird that is colored orange, some sort of thing. Maybe it's a robin or I don't know. She comes up and says, Norbert, what are you doing? He says, I'm talking to my friends. And so he is explaining to her that he can communicate with these animals. And she asks if uh, anybody has said anything about a wallet, because a couple days ago she lost a wallet. And he bends down and asks uh, Mr. Skunk, Badger, Rabbit, and Turtle to send out word should this be found. And then we see a badger from across a stream here that's on the property drop it into the water, and a goldfish get it. I don't know if it's a goldfish, but it is a gold-colored fish. Or maybe it's a carp, rather. And one carp hands it off to another carp, and then the second carp swims it to the shore where he is. He says, here it comes. Daisy says, it's utterly fantastic, and he responds, handing her the wallet. Not so fantastic. Surely you've heard of carp-to-carp walleting. Oh, boo. Four pages of comics for that. Carp-to-carp walleting. Hmm third story, A Conversation. It's a six-pager. The concept is from Mr. Jeff Butler, scripted by Mike Barron, pencils and inks by Chaz Trog, painted colorings by Les Dorscheid, and lettered by Mary Pulliam. We start off in Madison, somewhere off State Street, where a musician is holding up the wall of a building, his guitar case on the ground in front of him, playing a tune. A couple walks by, tossing some money in the guitar case. Some ne'er-do-well comes up and asks, uh, what you got in the case, man? And the musician says, hey, don't do that, brother. That's my eating money. The thug jumps up in his face. I ain't your brother, man. I eat hippy dippies like you for breakfast. And as he's saying that in the background, we see a figure coming closer, coming closer. 
the thug decks the street troubadour, knocking him down. And then we see that it's Badger who assails the bad guy. And just as he's about to deliver a coup de grace, the singer says, uh, let him go, Badge. Violence never solved anything. And Badger says, that is an unsupportable statement. Violence solves a lot. The Normandy invasion. Shooting skyjackers before they can detonate their bombs. The raid on Antibi. These are all violent solutions to violent problems. And the guy relents and says, okay, maybe. But those are all solutions of the last resort. I could have talked to the dude. So they're going back and forth, you know, the and, and that's what this whole six-page story is, is a uh, introspection on the philosophy uh, behind violence and whether or not it is uh, success, uh, successful, yeah, efficient, however you want to put it. And basically, that's the, the main part of the story. The two guys, the badger and the, the street troubadour here, get done. They walk outside, and we see that same thug, only now he's bothering somebody that's in a wheelchair. Badger asks the singer, hey, can I go do something? And the singer's like, do your thing, dude. And so Badger runs over there and kicks his butt, and they just happily go on their way with the street troubadour being a, a quote-unquote peacenik, um, as I guess, you know, the hippies would call him, or they would be called in 1983, or, you know, whatever. He's a nonviolent person. The Badger just, of course, for another, uh, I don't know, 70 or 80 issues of comic book uh, extols violence. That's what he does. Uh, you know, end of story. Uh, it's just, a, like I said, it's it's probably Jeff Butler or Mike Barron's uh, thoughts on violence. Uh, I don't know. Mike Barron is the creator of the character, but maybe he just created the character. He doesn't believe that what his character does is the way to go about it. I'm not sure how to how to read that. Coming next issue, we see here on the next page, the Crusader Grabbit is the character that we're going to run into. We see here at the bottom part of the page that you can get back issues and subscriptions. Still currently out of the black and white Nexus issues one and two, but three, the first three color and Badger one are available. And then paid subscriptions for Nexus 5 through 10, Badger 3 through 6, and Whisper 1 through 6, which I'll be talking about next episode if you guys want to hang out with me then. Uh, next page is a full-page advert for Nexus with a pull quote from Harlan Ellison. I'm assuming from one of his two letters. Or no, I'm sorry, not two. From his letter. I believe the other letter that I'm thinking of was for Nexus. Nexus. So Real You Forget You're Reading a Comic by Baron and Rude. Number five on sale in December. Full process color bi-monthly Baxter book. Yeah, this is on Baxter paper, so I guess it's kind of eschewing my newsprint commando ship. But, nah, my show. Still a book I want to talk about. Still the time frame that I want to talk about from. So maybe newsprint commando wasn't the best nom de plume to uh, pull, but I'm going to stick with it. I kind of like the way it sounds. The third dimension is sound. Black and white Nexus number three, the Flexic comic, is advertised here on the next page. Top half, bottom half is the Nexus portfolio. Inside back cover, another advert for a, another publisher's book. E-Man, The Way He Was Meant to Be, written and drawn by Joe Staten, inked by Rick Burchett, beginning with issue 12. This is from First Comics, so... One is to assume, and I didn't look this up, that First Comics has been around since before E-Man number one. So there are 12 issues into this already. And then on the back cover itself is another advert for Whisper. Uh, First Comics is definitely a, a publisher that I want to talk about here on uh, Newsprint. Also, last episode on the editorial page, 
Mr. Burning dropped a recommendation for Vanguard, a book from Pacific Comics. Uh, Pacific Comics is another distributor that went into the publishing game. They lasted about three years. Over those three years, they pumped out about, right out about a hundred different issues spread out over, I don't know, 36 or 37 different properties. Uh, Pacific Comics is another publisher that I want to talk about. But what caught my interest is Vanguard. Vanguard uh, was one of the last books that they published new. Uh, at the time Vanguard 1 came out, they only had about eight or nine months of life left, Pacific Comics. They had already been at it for about two years. So they preceded Capital Comics by about a year, year and a half or so. Um, giving Capital Comics the idea of a distributor getting into the publishing biz. Actually, I believe Pacific Comics may have been the first to do that. If not, they were probably one of the more successful, if not the most successful. So, um, as far as, you know, the my, my personal mandate of things that I want to talk about for the show, Capital Comics, Pacific Comics, First Comics, those are some publishers. Uh, and as I said, I think a couple episodes ago, I already have my next publisher that I'm going to talk about picked out after I talk about Capital Comics very short-lived publisher. I think that's everything about this book. Um, I don't know, you know, what anybody thinks about format yet. I'm putting several of these in the can before I get any feedback. But as I get feedback, I'll be more than happy to insert things and talk about them in the shows as I get feedback. So if you guys think um, what you guys think about what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, what I want to talk about, things that you want to hear me talk about. If anybody is interested in my thoughts on something, I don't know. I'm, I'm not necessarily the best thinker, not necessarily the best speaker, you know, in podcasts that I've heard. Um, just something that I want to do. I like to read these books. It gives me a reason to read them other than just doing it on my own. Uh, it seems trying to do them on my own, I, I always come up with a bunch of other things that I do first and I never get around to it. But for uh, material for podcasts, I seem much more able to sit down and read these books. So that's the primary reason I want to do it. I thought I would also talk about it. I thought I would also put it out there in the ether and let other people hear it and perhaps talk back at me about it. I don't know if that'll work. We'll see. If you guys want to send me any feedback, Teal Productions on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter is probably the quickest way to uh, hear back from me. But, of course, we can only go back and forth in what, 210 character bursts or something like that. If you want something longer, the email address is imindyman at gmail.com. And you can leave comments on the website, which is part of the Comic Book Noise family. Uh, comicbooknoise.com slash TNC, the newsprint commando, but the letters TNC, Tango November Charlie. So those are the ways to get in touch with me. Go ahead and do if you want to. Don't if you don't. That's cool. Otherwise, next episode, I believe, let me check. And yes, Whisper Volume 1, number 1 is what I'm talking about next episode. That'll be the third and final of the Capital Comics IPs that they put out. We only have one, two, three, four, five, counting Whisper, six books left before my coverage of Capital Comics finishes. So that's all. Fifteen books is what Capital Comics did, and, and we're running through them pretty quickly. Talk to you guys next time. Ciao.